This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope your weekend was relaxing. Hope you guys took care of yourselves. I uh, had, as most of us did, a very limited weekend. <laughs> LA has understandably removed Every possible thing we can do for fun. We are not allowed to have nice things. Now, listen, I, I do hold the government accountable. They handled this poorly. I blame Trump and his entire administration for their narcissism um, and sociopathy, essentially. Them putting power and control and finance above the lives of individuals is a number one marker for sociopathy. However, <laughs> um, I, I also blame everyone that just refused to think collectively and was obsessed with individualism and just worries about them still having fun and doing what they want and not caring about the impact of others. Um, it's heartbreaking. And so we've lost access to a lot of things that brought joy and you know fun into our lives and people are losing their businesses. And I'm sitting there shaking my head saying, I don't know what else to do. The government's saying, stay home, wear a mask, and people just don't care. Um, that's the main issue. People aren't, you know, uh, sneaking out to go to work because they have bills to pay. People are sneaking out and, and spreading for needless reasons like weddings, birthday events. Y'all will be fine delaying a wedding or not having one or doing it online or, you know, postponing your birthday party till next year, another time. Like we need to really grow up. It, it's, it's, it continues to let me down to see the way people are managing the pandemic and, and also the election. It, it's really heartbreaking. I, I always really struggle to see a lot of ethics in uh, America and uh, I continue to be let down. And I was talking on a thread on uh, Twitter about how for many of us, the American flag now actually makes us feel unsafe. And it has for a lot of individuals, people that were black, people of color, indigenous individuals who have had their land stolen. So for many, they, many people, they always felt the American flag represented toxic nationalism and toxic masculinity and patriarchy. I'm now fully in that. I, I see it as a sign of Trump's America. It makes me very unsafe, very uncomfortable, but I was never a nationalist or even patriotic. I, I'm more of a collectivist. I want everyone around the world to have their needs met. I will buy things not made in the USA. I'll buy them made anywhere as long as it's fair trade and people are given a living wage. I want people in all countries to be able to feed themselves. So, so much coming out of that heartbreaking. Um, so while we're on that negative note, let's keep talking about what else is wrong. Uh, Schoolgirls, yet again, another article comes out about how there's a school and the young girls are told they shouldn't wear leggings. 
Yep. You know why? Because as always, they'll be distracting to both male teachers and male students. Listen, y'all, number one, if you have males around your children that don't have good boundaries, uh, the issue's with the men. <laughs> if, if a young child can't wear leggings because the men don't have impulse control, empathy, and boundaries, start with the fact that you shouldn't have them in your life, period. If girls are unsafe at school because the boys and male teachers don't know how to control themselves, they shouldn't be teaching or going to school there. And we should be teaching people how to encounter arousal, how to deal with it. Again, the idea that we shouldn't let anyone ever get aroused. We shouldn't acknowledge eroticism being everywhere or being a healthy thing. We have to teach people how to deal with it. It's okay to get aroused and to do nothing with it. That is part of rape culture. The idea that if I'm turned on or someone turns me on, somehow I need to engage that or do something with it. That's what's led to people like Harvey Weinstein. There's a lot of other things in there, but that's part of it. So it's okay if boys get turned on by seeing a girl in leggings. Learn how to control yourself. Learn how to, to acknowledge that and refocus with whatever it is you're needing to do. I move through the day constantly turned on and aroused by things I'm seeing, and I continue on with my day. I know how to manage those impulses. And the work is about teaching people, these male teachers and students that apparently are just so ravenous and without impulse control that they're just going to tackle these students in leggings is very bizarre and also not the way to go about it. Let's not, you know, blame the victims because that's what that's doing. It's very victim blaming. Very, very, very strange that we just want to cover up sexuality and avoid it in all possible ways. Listen, eroticism is everywhere. It is always operating on us. Eroticism is not something we can hide away. And I'm sorry, but schools are an erotic place. There's teenagers learning how to court, how to flirt. They have hormones. They're going through puberty. That is a place where we need to talk about consent and boundaries and how you'll see things that turn you on, but you need to learn how to work with those impulses. You don't need to do anything with them. School needs to figure out what they, who they are. I'm so frustrated by the school system. You'll hear me talk more about that. Uh, for me personally, it was a site of both physical and emotional abuse by uh, the nuns when I was in grade school. The nuns were physically and verbally abusive. Um, things have gotten a little better, but we still see the school system kicking out males who paint their nails. Teach, shut up and teach, shut up and teach, teach people to be confident and authentic. Why are we normalizing gender roles and saying men can't paint their nails? Yes, they can. And they do just like Harry Styles is reminding the world that men also wear dresses. It's fabric. Calm down. I was on a therapist page that I had to get off of because even I was seeing therapists promoting books about how to raise men as men. That's gross. Raise people to be themselves. Raise people to be authentic and honest and diverse and creative, which is who we really are. All right, now I'm going to climb back down slowly off of the soapbox. <laughs> you know, I feel strongly about these things. Why? Because I work with the end result. I work with people in my clinical practice. I have patients that have been damaged by these things and continue to be or have children that are. And these systems need to be changed. So, so much to do. Anyway, coming up next, we're going to talk about something important. I've kind of dipped my toe in it. Safe ways to take a road trip during a pandemic. People still need to get out. I will be doing the same thing over Christmas. You will see photos of me in my car on a road trip. We're going to talk about how to do it safely. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we are back and we're talking about road trips. So I've been talking about this on the show a little bit. I've been self-isolating to every degree, uh, really following the rules. 
shot something on set and we were tested, we were kept 12 feet apart, we wore our masks, we were kept outside. I mean, there's so many ways we can really follow the precautions. And I will be going on a road trip with the person who I'm in a relationship with over Christmas. We're not gonna be around in other individuals. We will be wearing our masks, we're both getting tested repeatedly, but then as well, we'll be in our car, driving the coast. I'm excited for it. And this is me sharing that to remind people that we can still do things. We just have to do things that follow the rules as laid out by the public health professionals, including myself. Uh, but I want to remind you from a mental health perspective, it's important that you are still around other people. It's important that you do leave your house. Just do it in a smart way. We need to make eye contact and see people. You can do that outdoors separated wearing a mask. You can sit in your lawn, have someone swing by, sitting six to 10 feet apart, wearing their mask, hanging out, playing some music, having some food. We can still do these things. You want to date, both of you get tested and then maintain clear boundaries about not doing anything high risk with others, which is what my relationship's about. And we will be spending intimate time together. I can't freaking wait, but we're going to follow the precautions because I do not want to be part of a system where I'm spreading COVID to someone to anyone. I don't want it, nor do I want to give it to someone because I care about my impact on others, which is severely at a loss and a minimum right now in our country on a multitude of levels. Now, I'm looking at an article here, beautifully done, about how to plan a pandemic road trip. Why? Because you can still leave your home and be safe. In fact, your mental health demands it. You cannot have robust mental health if we don't leave our house. You need to go outside on walks, get fresh air, get sunlight. We see tons of studies about the importance of vitamin D, which you can get from sunlight or supplements. Please supplement right now. And there's, it's been shown to really help with COVID. Um, it's not going to protect you, but it will help increase what you need to do in terms of your immune system and also maybe kind of shave off some of the rough edges on that. So let's talk about how to do a safe road trip, because I think this is something that we can all engage in on some level. First off, know where you're going and what the restrictions are, right? Because I don't know how long of a road trip you're taking, but each state in every city, even each county has different rules and regulations. And you want to be very thoughtful about that because you're a visitor. It's very, remember, we know about colonization. You know, us white people love to roll up into America and, and killing people and taking it over. You don't want to do your, your minor version of colonization by rolling into a different state or county saying, I'm going to do me. I don't care about what the local rules or expectations are here. So figure out the area you're going to. Things change. Google, you know, each area has different guidelines, COVID, um, COVID protections, and you can go on health department pages and they'll tell you, just have a sense. Also, you want to know maybe what's what's available in terms of what's open and what's not. You got to plan ahead in terms of that as well. So think about that. That's important stuff. Um, also, don't, don't take COVID with you. That's the other part of not being a colonizer and rolling in like Columbus did, giving out um, syphilis to the indigenous people whose land they were stealing. Um, so get tested. You don't want to be COVID positive and then roll into another city or town, possibly spreading it to people in terms of surface, aerosols, or whatever else. And so make sure you're negative, negative excuse me. And if you're not, stay the heck home. But if you are negative... Bam, get that mask, check the precautions, and uh, you can actually bounce around a little bit, right? But check in for symptoms, muscle aches, sore throat, coughing, breathing issues, but get tested. Also, you want to have a little bit of a pack. Uh, what would you call it? I don't know. Um, just kind of like having everything that you need, the accoutrements, everything you need to have with you. Uh, you want masks, right? Maybe you want more than one. You want disinfecting wipes. 
and hand sanitizer. And that's because you don't know where you're going to be or how long you're going to be on the road, what services might be available. But disinfecting wipes to touch surfaces right before and after, and also hand sanitizer is going to be what's going to really keep you safe because you touch a lot. And that's something to really think about. Um, covering your face as well as much as possible. Because remember, the masks don't make it zero. The masks are preventative, but they don't necessarily are not always foolproof. Depends on the fabric, depends on the aerosols, how much is in there, how close you're standing to someone, how long. Um, depends on who's wearing it. So all those things matter. Um, this was an interesting one I had not thought of, but this article was talking about bringing your own pillows and linen. Uh, why? Because the virus that causes COVID can shed onto linen and pillows and other symptoms. I'm sorry, and uh, linens and pillows and other surfaces. That's the word. Uh, we know that respiratory viruses, this is a quote, can penetrate pillow covers and get into the microfiber stuffing. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I was already one of those people who, when I travel, if possible, would bring my own pillows, sometimes linen. Um, but now, more so than ever, yeah, absolutely, bring your own pillows and linen. I think that that's really smart. Your, your, your face, especially depending on how you sleep, is like really buried up in there. Um, make sure you clean your car. And I thought this one was really, 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 really interesting. Um, packing your own linens, we talked about bringing wipes for your car, but also check this out, singing, singing and talking in the car. Remember, if you both tested negative and you've done it at the right time in the window period, you don't need to worry about this, but it's something to be reminded of that uh, a lot of talking very loudly or, or you know, forcefully and things like singing or laughing, breathing heavy, gonna release more droplets and aerosols. So think about that. So those are the little qualifiers that really, really, really matter. It's not just a matter of put on your mask and we're good. It's like, what are we doing? And are we in an enclosed space like a car, right? Because some people will take them off in the car. So be thoughtful about that. Who's been in the car? Who's been tested? Are you on your own? Singing, laughing, all those things really, really, really matter. Um, all right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about this. Uh, question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. So head on over there and weigh in on that. That's in the stories. And then uh, we'll be sliding the DM. So if you've got a DM for me, drop it in there. And uh, as always, you can check out past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and we're talking about road trips. Now, the reason why I thought that that was really important is because for mental health reasons, I'm reminding everyone that uh, we need to keep participating in the world and you need to find ways to do that. Here in LA, I have many friends that are still going hiking because they can keep a distance from people. They're meeting up with others that they feel safe with, both wearing a mask, uh, staying six feet apart, hiking, or going for picnics, maybe grabbing some coffee and going for a walk. But either way, go for a walk. Get yourself into the sunlight. Get some fresh air. Leave the house. See other human beings moving around you. It's important to do that, you know, but be safe. Wash your hands. Use those wipes. So we were talking about road tripping because for some people that might be a safe way to get out of the house. Now, a road trip could be just driving for an hour or so and then coming back, driving to the beach or the mountains, sitting there, walking around, letting your bare feet touch the earth, touch the sand. So stuck. So important. And then for others, it might be a little bit more of a full day. Um, and you can do it in safe ways. What we were talking about prior is think about things like laughing and singing in the car. They will put out more aerosols. It's a very forceful way to force some of that out. So think about that. How long are we in the car? Who am I in the car with? Will we be wearing our masks in the car? Will we be doing a lot of laughing? Also making sure all parties have gotten tested and have quarantined. 
um, the test only goes back so far and it doesn't cover anything that happens after getting tested, right? We also talked a little bit about bringing your own pillows and linens because apparently the studies show some of these aerosols can get forced into the pillow. Woof, we got a lot to think about. And then of course, not knowing what services are gonna be available for you on this trip. So making sure that you've brought wipes, hand sanitizer, and of course, clean masks. Um, so that's not just the end of it. Um, making sure when you go to things like service stations, you maybe got to get gas and all that. Again, wiping your hands, wiping things down, keeping distance from people. Um, also trying to use credit cards instead of cash. Cash historically, when tested, has all sorts of things on it. Uh, residue of cocaine, <laughs> residue of fecal matter, whatever bacteria or viruses you might have, people cough in their hand and then touch money. Credit cards are gonna be cleaner because there's nothing being given back and forth. When you hand money to someone, they're touching it, sticking it in the register, and then redistributing it back out into the system. And if you're taking change in, you don't know where that money came from. You don't know who touched it before it was given to you. It can go through a lot of different hands. So money's dirty. So again, you don't want to transfer these disease-causing microbes from one person to the next, to the next, to the next. Shut that chain down. Apple Pay is amazing. Credit cards as well. Make sure you're also cleaning your credit cards. We have to be remembered to both cleaning our phones, but also our credit cards. After I go out shopping, I come home, I get a wipe, I wipe down my cell phone, and I also wipe down my credit cards and the inside of my credit card holder where it was stuck in after I shopped. I know, I'm cautious though, because like I keep saying, I do not want to get sick, nor do I want to be responsible for getting someone else sick. My ethics don't allow that, so that's how I think. So remember that, take those credit cards. Some people are like cash only, not right now, y'all. Um, also remembering that it's always safer to eat outdoors than indoors. You might be driving to an area that allows uh, some kind of indoor dining, really depends on the state, the city, and the county, or outdoors, but don't think that that means it's safe. Just because an area is allowing something, I'm talking to you, Florida, just because a, a governor or a mayor is allowing something, it doesn't mean it's safe. Often they're doing that because of political pressure and finance. So eat in your car, eat outside, take the take the food to go and picnic somewhere. That's what I'll be doing on my road trip, uh, making it very scenic. If we stop and get food of any kind, we will be eating it either in the car or in some kind of outdoor area. That's also part of like the fun of all of this, right? Is to be out. <laughs> Uh, when you finally arrive, make sure the hotel, if you're staying at one, has followed COVID precautions. A lot of them are putting it on their websites, but call and ask. And even then, bring your own linen or pillow, wipe things down. Uh, be very, very, very thoughtful using wipes on everything. When you really show up and look around, it's amazing. <laughs> when you really think about how many things you touch, right? And how those have been touched by how many people. Have the people that clean the rooms, are they, being, are they being thoughtful? Are they tired? Are they overrun? <laughs> you know what I mean? So much to consider. So again, I advise people to just stay the heck home. But for some people's mental health, they've been doing that. And uh, isolation is one of the most psychologically toxic things. And so yes, meet up with people in some form, following all the regulations. And like I said, take yourself on maybe a little bit of a road trip keeping it local. I know when I say that, some people start panicking. I'm not saying spread, be a super spreader by you know driving around everywhere. When I'm saying road trip, I mean localized. <laughs> some people, they might take it further and that's okay as long as you follow the precautions. You know, it's like we say about the holidays, everything isn't canceled, nothing's canceled. We just have to do things differently and difference doesn't mean bad or broken. We know that in terms of mental health, people 
think differently, feel differently, have a different brain, they communicate differently. These aren't disorders. These are just differences, creative, diverse ways of being in the world. So, you know, again, we're not having the kind of year we wanted. I know we're moving into holiday season. That's not going to be how we want it. So maybe build in a staycation or a road trip, right? Or set up some social events within the guidelines as a way to still feel like you're participating in the world in some way, you know, kind of push back on some of that depression. Because y'all, the vaccines are coming. We keep seeing the news, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be here ASAP. Uh, us non-frontline workers and lower-risk people probably it might not be till the summer. It really depends. There's so much that's happening. I also read one of the people developing them has had a cutback on what they could produce uh, because something happened in the chain of production. So anyway, coming up next, uh, going to be doing some DMs and then question of the night, which is up on our Loveline IG page and the stories. So weighing on that, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Alrighty, we're back. And uh, before we get to the DMs, I love this. I, you know, Jeopardy, um, contestant recently. This is on uh, the twelve nine episode. He wore a uh, bisexual pride flag pin on his suit jacket. Love that. That's how people just kind of give a little shout out, uh, hold space, and uh, essentially just disrupt heteronormativity by rolling up in there like that. I don't know if you could tell. It's kind of a, a little bit of a faded pin on a gray suit, but um, love it. He says, uh, hey, y'all, I'm Cody. He and him pronouns. Tonight I'm on Jeopardy alongside the late, great Alex Trebek. So this must have been shot before Alex passed. Um, he said, I took the opportunity to wear my bi pride pin. We need more bi visibility media. I love that. It's um, it's very, very, very true. Uh, biphobia exists powerfully. I've often asked different friends of mine, um, hey, would you date someone that's bisexual? Uh, usually I ask people that are female, and the answer was consistently that they would have a little bit of concern, you know, that maybe this person was truly gay, which is so heartbreaking that we will accept so many different things. We'll accept, yeah, all sorts of outlandish but uh, bisexuality, no, too far, that's not real. Uh, yes, it is, and remember, bisexuality is not always 50-50. Bisexuality does not mean I like men as much as women or women as much as men or non-binary. It means that there is a little bit of both. It could be 90-10, 99-1. You know, it doesn't even mean that you've had sexual relations with someone. It's just an identity that you claim based on how you perceive yourself and, and, and what you're oriented towards. So, Love that. I uh, want to kind of throw that out there, but uh, now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world and we want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, my fiance and I have been planning our wedding since the pandemic began. Bam. Rough times, huh? We have it planned for later in December. <laughs> Uh-oh. But... <laughs> Since cases are spiking again, we are forced to cancel the reception and have an even smaller ceremony than we had originally planned for. I love it, the idea of a small wedding, but my fiance wants to move it completely until after the pandemic because he wants a big wedding. I don't want to fight about it, but it's something that I am okay with because I just want our inner circle there, but he wants people from his high school basketball team that he talks to once a year to be there. I don't know why. Is there a compromise? Well, remember, it's both of your weddings, so it's about what both of you want, and if it's important to him to have members of his basketball team there, then it's that's, that's as meaningful as you wanting the few people that you want there there. 
Um, I don't know what that means for him. It might be something powerful about, you know, going back to that. It might've been a promise. I, I don't even know what the meaning is. I'm not going to try to insert the meaning, but remember it's everyone's wedding, the two people, whoever's involved. And that's, what's important to him. So this is actually a moment where you also get to show up and show what kind of partner you are. Um, you're down with doing it now smaller. He wants to delay. Delay. There's no rush. What's the rush? You don't have to get married at all, but you choose to. That's beautiful, but there's no time clock. And if it means a lot to him to delay it and do it bigger, then do it. Uh, you don't need to understand why the basketball team has to be there. If you want to know, ask him, you know, but that might be something he's always envisioned. It might be a dream fulfillment. Um, I don't know. But again, not a big deal. You know what I mean? Push it off, you know, and then everyone's happy because you still get a wedding and he gets the wedding with the size he wants, you know? And I think that's what's important is it's a bummer when people think that in a heterosexual wedding that it is, you know, solely up to the female and it's her dream. No, men dream of weddings as well. Relationships are important to males too. Um, here's one speaking, me. And if I do get married, it will also be about what I want. <laughs> My needs matter too. Um, so remember that. Everything that comes up in a relationship is a moment where we're sharing our partner, how good of a partner we are, and whether or not we care about their thoughts and feelings, you know? And weddings is one of those things. Everyone has their own vision or dream as to what it, you know, should look like or was supposed to look like. So we want to accommodate everybody. And I also think it's unsafe in a pandemic. So smaller doesn't necessarily make it safe. It makes it safer, still not safe. And I think it's unfair to expect people to come to any event that involves gathering with others, especially if it's indoors during a pandemic. So um, some of the people that were gonna be coming might not have felt comfortable and might have not been showing up. So it might've been smaller than you think. All right, y'all. <laughs> uh, question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveland IG page. Weigh in on that. Coming up, we're going to be talking about friends with benefits, insomnia, and uh, connections to our exes. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back. Uh, how y'all doing with sleeping? Uh, I'm one of those people where sleep means a lot to me. I do not function well unless I get the sleep I need. I need nine hours. Eight hours is the minimum, but even that doesn't feel good to me. I'm a nine hour person. I own it. I love it. I get what I get and I make sure I get it. And I, I've started going to bed earlier and getting up earlier because that naturally feels better to my rhythm. Not everyone is that way, but I go to bed early and I get up and I watch the sunrise often. And that to me feels so soothing. It's such a stunning way to start the day as well. Um, I kind of feel like I'm on this cycle with the planet, right? And I get a lot of work done in the morning before I start my clinical hours. My clinical hours actually start pretty early as well, but this gives me a few hours prior to focus on myself because our lives shouldn't be just about work. Work should be part of our lives. Our life shouldn't be squeezed into work. Work should be squeezed into our lives. And that's the way I do it. I have a life before work and after work. I don't want to just hit the ground running and start my day with clinical practice. I want to start my day by doing things for myself, making coffee, making a breakfast that feels good to me, going outside, getting some sunlight, watching the sunrise, going for a walk, getting some reading done, maybe getting a workout in, watching the news, maybe watching a little bit of a movie. Like I, I, my life needs to be the center point and everything else has to fit into that. Um, that's mental health right? Whatever gives us worth and meaning, whatever makes our life valuable, that's what we should be prioritizing and centering, that and that only. Otherwise, you'll never feel happy. Happy and contentment are about, I like the life I'm building. 
And if it's centered around things that don't give you worth and meaning, you cannot feel good. There's, you know, you can do all the yoga in the world and take all the antidepressants you want, but if your life is not rooted in things that give you value and meaning, you're, you're fighting a losing battle. You're moving deck chairs around, as they say on the Titanic, it's still going down. You're just sitting in a different area of the boat with a different view. Center your life in the things that give it worth and meaning. That's how we get to happiness, you know? Um, but let's talk about the sleep piece. That was my whole point is, a lot of people are struggling with sleeping. They're having quarantine nightmares, of course. Dreams are a cognitive process. It's not non-meaningful, it's not stupid. Dreams are a cognition, they count. It's just a different form of expression. We're not gonna talk about dreams, but we're gonna talk about how do we help ourselves sleep better. Well, the first thing is make sure your bedroom is just about sleep, right? It should not be a workspace. I, I see some people that are you know waking up and working in bed. That throws off the associations with your bed. Your bed then becomes something that might be related to stress or a tr some other trigger. You want your unconscious and conscious when it sees the bed to think of nothing but rest and it will start to have that impact, right? Associations matter powerfully neurologically. Keep your bed associated only with sleep and maybe sexuality, two really positive things. Don't associate it with work or stress. Make it a sacred space. So again, also part of that, part of good sleep hygiene and also mental health around that is keeping technology out of the bedroom as much as possible. I've talked about how they're saying like, use an old school alarm clock. Don't use your phone as an alarm clock. Keep your phone in another room. Um, don't wake up, don't make it be the last thing you do at night and the first thing you wake up to. Not only because of the blue light that it emits is bad for sleep quality, but um, also it just gives you space. We're too tied to our phones. So keeping that in another room. Another point that came up in my research around this that was really interesting that I had heard of, but it never really was that powerful for me until I was looking at some of the research was around temperature. That temperature does play an important role in whether or not we're able to fall asleep. And even if people tend to like their house or their apartment warmer, that is not the most beneficial. Our body, in terms of sleep, prefers cooler and colder temperatures. So it's better to have a window open for cooler air, put the air on or whatever it is, but wear longer pajamas or wear pajamas or have a thicker blanket, but we'll do better with cooler temperatures. So um, think about that. Also noise, I sleep with a fan on. I need white noise. I need what and white noise is, is just ongoing, consistent, low level sound. Uh, again, they say some smartphones have apps that provide that, but again, it's still technologically based. It might emit some blue light. It's better to get something like a sound machine or a fan. Fans can be purchased very cheaply, a little small when you put it on the floor, turn it on, it hums. It blocks out louder background noises. It also, again, becomes another part of your sleep ritual. When you hear that sound come on, you associate sleep with it and it'll start to kind of bring you into that state transitions are really important so cutting out that backroom noise your body will know once I'm in climbing into bed and I'm hearing that sound it'll start to cause you to drift off so really start to create those associations and if you want to do the earplug thing I can't get into that I don't like the sensation of something in my ear canal like that I also don't want to be that blocked out from any sounds I want to be able to hear sounds of danger doors opening fire alarm smoke alarm so I don't want to block out the capacity to hear any sound um, we need to hear some sounds especially if you're maybe a parent and you need to have your phone um, you need to be able to hear your phone ring in case someone's you know needing care or support um, another important one is just the regularity of when you go to bed and get up uh, that's very, 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 very helpful because again, your system will start to fall in line with that, right? So we all need routines. Routines keep us feeling anchored and safe, but also help us fall asleep. Here's the thing. 
that counts for weekends as well. You don't want your weekend to be something that throws you off because that would be once a week, your whole schedule's thrown off and then you spend the whole week trying to get back on it. The whole point of a sleep routine is to get into a pattern or habit that then gets internalized and off you go. But if you're always disrupting it on the weekends and then starting it over during the week, you never actually get the benefits of that consistent sleep cycle because the keyword is consistent. And to only do it for three, four or five nights during the week and then off for two or three, that's not what's gonna help. So yeah, I know that that doesn't fit everyone's social lifestyle, it does for mine. I don't like bars, I don't drink, so I prefer to go to bed early. Um, so that works for me. All right, we gotta take a break. We're gonna come back and we'll finish this. I didn't realize at the time. All right, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and we're talking about sleep and insomnia. So some of the things we were talking about is how um, make your bedroom about sleep only, keep work outside of the bedroom. The bed should be about sex, sleep, things that are restful, things that are pleasurable. Also, we're talking about how you might want a noise machine, uh, not your phone. There's a lot of other reasons why, but you want something that has consistent, what we call white noise, which is a lower level, consistent, ongoing kind of hum. Uh, we are talking about sticking to a routine really trying to not let it get disrupted because then it takes a couple days to get it back. And by the time you get it back, it's the weekend again and you're disrupting it. It's all about consistency with that. Uh, we talked a little bit about temperature, how as much as some people might enjoy warmer temperatures, your body and sleep will do better with cooler temperatures using maybe more blankets or pajamas, but letting that cool air be in there. Um, and also there's just this whole piece about if it's not working, that's okay. At some point, you don't want to make it torturous. If after about 15, 20 or 30 minutes, you're not falling asleep, own it, get up and do something, you know, get up and go watch, um, some television, go make yourself some food. Some people even go for a walk. Uh, again, be thoughtful. The television emits lights that might not allow you to fall asleep. I don't tend to be that sensitive or I can watch television, fall asleep and be fine. Not everyone can, but you don't want to, you know, there's a point of, of inability to sleep where you just acknowledge it's not going to happen right now. That's okay. Don't complexify it by adding frustration. Just own it. Go with it. Let me go for a walk. Let me get something to eat. Let me go read. Let me go watch television. Watching a boring show or rereading something is going to help you fall asleep as well. Don't watch another episode of that show that might stimulate thoughts and feelings and get you excited, put on something you've seen a zillion times. That's where I love shows like Seinfeld. They're very low level intellect. You've seen them before. Just put on the background, watch it a little bit, a little monotonous, some newness, and you can kind of drift off. But don't put on something new. Don't put on something loud and bold and stimulating. You know what I mean? Um, you don't want to work against yourself, right? Sleep is about easing in because we've settled ourselves down. Um, all right, so that's that. I think that that's meaningful because right now we're trying to just be as robust and resilient as we can in terms of physical health uh, and also mental health. Um, so one of the other things I really wanted to talk about was, uh, you know, this whole concept of connecting to an ex. I saw this come up on a Facebook post where someone was shaming uh, being friends with their exes and saying, oh, well, that's a sign that, you know, there's unresolved business. Yeah, the unresolved business is that if you've been with someone for a while and they were a great person and brought a lot of beautiful things into your life and you have a lot of things in common, yeah, you want to maintain some of that. And that's acceptable. If we're dating people that we trust and that trust us, we can be friends with our exes. All's well. It didn't work out romantically or sexually. So we transition out of that. And if we don't burn it down and we leave lovingly, which is important and a good sign, we can still hang out on other levels or keep up with each other. 
other. It's a good sign when someone's friends with their exes. If someone has something negative to say about everyone and they everything ended poorly and they can't talk anymore, what do you see in that? I hear nothing but red flags. This person has horrible communication skills, doesn't have healthy relationship skills, burns things down when they leave, waits till the worst moment to leave, doesn't leave lovingly or openly. It's people that have ethics and integrity and mental health leave when things are still going all right, just realizing, hey, this isn't working, and they bring it open, and they talk about it. They don't cheat. They don't ghost. They don't disappear. They don't burn it down. Mm-hmm. But you know, a lot of people don't trust themselves or the people they're dating, and then you shouldn't trust them, period. You shouldn't be with them. If you can't, if you're in a relationship a marriage with someone who you couldn't feel comfortable with them being friends with an ex, you have a bigger issue because then you don't trust them or yourself. And that's going to show up in a multitude of other ways. It's not just going to be about that. So use that as a really powerful form of reflection about the kind of relationship you're in, who you're with and yourself, because in healthy adult, mature relationships, we trust each other. So we don't need to set boundaries and hard lines because we know that they're going to look out for us. They love us. Why would they want to do something that threatens or compromises us, our mental health or our relationship or our comfort or safety? People that are constantly threatened by everything and everyone and don't want to see someone's ex or hear about it, or if they happen to meet them while out in the world, they snub them. You have some growing up to do. You have a lot of maturing to do. You you must live in a world where all your friends are doing really shady things and that's all you think the world is about, or you yourself are just very fragile. You're not ready to be brought into someone's life. You're not dateable if that's how you move through the world or that's how you feel. You're going to probably make someone's life harder. You're going to be acting out your anxiety and low self-esteem and lack of self-worth all over the place by constantly trying to set rules and boundaries so that they don't ever make you uncomfortable. Do the work. Realize that you need to grow up a little bit. You know what I mean? Only date people that you trust and then learn how to let go, right? We don't want to be toxic for someone. And that's what I see happen is people enter the dating world, not having resolved or worked on themselves. And they just keep acting out the same mess and injuring themselves and others along the way. So if you see yourself upset about everything and threatened by everything, take a break. You have a lot of work to do. (laughs) You know, I'm sorry that there's so much trauma like that, but work on yourself. You want, as I say over and over for people to be better off from having had you in their life. If everyone you've ever dated has nothing great or positive to say about you, you need to do some work, you know, because, and also you need to start dating a healthier, higher caliber of person. If every, if you say things like all men cheat or all women dot, 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 that's a sign of the world you've been swimming around in. Because let me tell you, there's tons of worlds where people don't act like that. They are honorable. They are full of integrity. They do have ethics. That's the world I live in. Me and my friends don't act like that. <laughs> and the clients I work with, my patients in my practice, I work with them to not act like that. So yes, let me remind you, there is a world where people don't cheat where people do want to be better, where people do want to have a positive impact on those that they date, have sex with, or in a relationship with, you know? So look at the world you've been swimming in and what kind of messages you've been getting or the behavior that you've seen normalize. Step out of that. And if it's internalized, go do some work on yourself, you know? I want better for and from everyone. Make that kind of like your goal for the rest of the year next year, that you want to just be a positive impact on everyone that you come in contact with. You no longer want to normalize bad behavior going to start saying to your friends, Hey, let's be better. Let's actually be people with integrity. Let's not support each other doing shady stuff. Let's call it out. You know what I mean? Let's create like relationships where people look at them and say, I want to be like those people. I want to be like those two. Look at how great they are to each other. They talk positively about each other. They do things that are in service of love and trust. That's what we should have. All right. Enough of that y'all coming up next question of the night. Still some time to weigh in on that. That's on our Loveline IG page in the stories. 
You listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, I'm looking at a poll. This is a Gallup poll. Man, this one was looking at mental health uh, in relationship to COVID-19 pandemic. Poll shows that mental health has dropped to, ready for this, a 20-year low as the pandemic drags on. Now, um, that's pretty understandable, right? Because, you know, people were already struggling with whatever they were struggling with, and now we have the amplification of financial anxiety, employment, you know, health. There are some people that are worried about their health and their high risk for catching COVID and, and being one of the people that struggle the most. We have isolation, loneliness, death. We're mourning the loss of the lives we lived or the things we thought that were going to take place and happen this year. It's pretty profound. That's going to definitely impact people's mental health. So that's why this, all these reminders are so important. You know, again, keep checking in on people, stay connected, three people a day, three people every single day, text them, call them, FaceTime them, send them a message, just stay connected to people. And again, reach out to others, especially people you haven't heard from, especially people who tend to deal most powerfully with mental health. Also seasonal affective is kicking in. We've got that like kind of God rounding out the year. Um, and we're also just looking out for ourselves to make sure we don't get to a place where necessarily ours has to drop. And if it does, that's okay as well. Um, we're just kind of letting ourselves be where we are. And we're expecting to have maybe some mental health struggles that we aren't traditionally impacted by or to, again, higher levels. Um, but again, we're doing as much self-care as we can, trying to keep ourselves as resilient as possible, resting, right? We're dropping the bar. We're doing the best we can, 60 70% max. We're not pushing ourselves. We're just eating good foods that feel good and make us happy. That doesn't mean they're quote unquote healthy. They're just things that make us feel good, right? They soothe us. <laughs> lots of rest, lots of pleasure, just doing the best we can. Um, but that's not surprising, but a 20 year low. Oof, <laughs> that's big. That's big. We're going to come out of this. But, um, you know, remember, we got a, we had a long road still ahead because the vaccine's coming out, but that's not something that's going to touch the bulk of us until maybe possibly as late as next summer. So until then, we're going to have a lot of restrictions in place still, still have to wear masks and social distance. So continue to just get really familiarized with that. And if those around you aren't following those rules, you got to sit down and talk to them. Maybe you have to limit the way you're seeing people or seeing them at all. You have to talk to people you're living with, make sure everyone's on the same page because all the decisions that are made by those that live in a household with us impact us. Um, I was looking at the news a couple days ago and uh, Governor Cuomo, New York, was saying that 78% uh, of infections are occurring based on in-home uh, gatherings, whether it's uh, people going out and coming home or having people over, but they were in-home based, 78%. So uh, I know, I know the numbers are upsetting. The numbers are staggering. The numbers are distressing, <laughs> but uh, we do get to have a hand. It is, it is, again, remember, spread by contact by socialization, by presence, by being around people. It absolutely does not continue to spread if we distance. It cannot, you cannot get infected if you are following the guidelines and distancing, you know? It's only happening and getting spread because people are still going close to others, spending time indoors, all the, all the different things that we've talked about. So remember, we have power over this. All right now though, time for question of the night. According to a study, the divorce rate hit a record low in 2020. 
For every 1,000 marriages, only 15% ended in divorce. Another survey said 60% of Americans say that the pandemic has made them appreciate their spouse more. That's great. 50% agree that their commitment has deepened. Why do you think that is? First person said people are forced to be their most vulnerable again, and it's helping. Ooh, I like that. Well said. Um, we're getting raw. We're going real. We're getting, we're getting to the basics, right? We're having to just talk about basic needs getting met. And that's so vulnerable. That's so intimacy enhancing. We're talking about our concerns. I love that. When, when we're thriving and we're flourishing and we're busy and we're distracted we're out in the world, that can keep us a little distant. So you're right. That's a great answer. Again, why do you think that people are feeling closer and uh, deepening in their, deepened in their commitment? Someone else said, me and my husband definitely found a new love for each other. We forgot how good we are together because before the pandemic, we never got a lot of time together. See, keep that up. Remember what's worked, you know, and, and keep that going after uh, the, you know, the pandemic ends. <sighs> keep, keep multiple date nights going, keep spending time together. I mean, also look at what has not worked and try to eliminate that. But um, well done, well done. Someone else said, I think that people are turning to each other more now for comfort. Yep. I'm thankful that they're doing that. And uh, that can be the deepening of that relationship. Again, really sharing your fears, your concerns, trying to find things to do together, new activities, hobbies. Um, so much can still happen. It's just that it's not gonna be traditional. It's not gonna be as standardized or what we're most familiar with, but we're doing new things, right? Creativity, newness, it's good. Someone else said, I actually think that it's probably harder to cheat in the pandemic. So people are staying together. I bet the divorce rate will go up in 2021. That's actually a really good point. Um, it's definitely probably harder to cheat <laughs> when you can't leave the house. And if you are, it's people are like, where are you going? And they're home when you leave, they're home when you get back and you better have those groceries <laughs> and you can't just disappear. You know what I mean? You're not off to the office or the gym or wherever you're going. So well said, well said. Um, people are more aware of each other and where they are and, and whatnot. It's a good point. Um, <laughs> we will see what happens when the doors swing back open, you know? Um, interesting point. Again, question tonight is, uh, why do you think that commitment in many marriages has deepened and that more people appreciate their spouse as a result of time together in the pandemic? Someone else said, maybe couples can't afford divorce right now, or maybe they're actually still in love. Imagine that <laughs> people still being in love, but you do make a good point. Uh, some people might not be able to get divorced. All right. Uh, coming up next DMS, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back, and uh, now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Slide the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world, and we want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, I've read two of your books. Thank you. Thank you, my books, Sex Outside the Lines and also Rebel Love. Pick them out. Check them out. Uh, audio, Rebel Love. I read it. Good stuff. Uh, so anyway, your question. I've read two of your books, and I think you're amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But I do have a question to ask you, as I know you're an expert. I'm in a new relationship and my partner experiences sexual anxiety, not towards me, but has major self-esteem issues where he thinks he's too big or he thinks he's too ugly to be with me. Oh, that's heartbreaking. It is. This couldn't be farther from the truth. I find him incredibly sexy and handsome. I do everything I can attempting to make him feel better about himself and to make him aware that I find him very attractive. What else can I do as a partner to help his self-esteem and try to find a deeper connection to his sexuality and forming a deeper bond between us? 
I'm more sexually excited than he is. I'd like to know more your stance on a partner's way to help cope with sexual anxiety. So it's really difficult. I, I, I love the position you're taking. Um, you know, our, our partner, uh, whoever we're in a part, uh, how do I want to say this? When, we're, when we are in a relationship, which is actually the truth for all relationships we're in, they impact how we see ourselves. So start broad for a second. Your family is the first place where your self-esteem develops because our self-esteem is impacted by the thoughts of those around us. We are not sociopaths. We are open systems. We want to have empathy. That's just part of it. So how your family has talked about you or your body or sex is going to be something that we start internalizing. Um, that's why we say to parents all the time, don't talk about your kids' bodies. Don't talk about beauty being tied to having a certain kind of body. You know, start complimenting other factors. Uh, then we move into romantic relationships. Uh, do we meet desirability standards? Yes, our culture has created a few standards that we're supposed to live up to in order to feel hot and attractive and sexy. And a lot of us don't meet those standards or, or norms. And our partner, how they talk about things, how our friends talk about things. If our friends are talking about and idolizing certain kinds of bodies or ways of looking and we don't align with that, we're internalizing that. We need to know that. It's, it's not neutral when we're hearing them idolize or legitimize other forms of being in the world that we don't align with. Um, so anyway, as the, as your, as the partner, you, I love that you care about how you're impacting them. And um, you're doing the best you can. Sexualizing our partner, flirting, romanticizing, complimenting. That's all you can do, truly. So it sounds like you're doing all you can do. Keep complimenting. But this, uh, your, your partner needs therapy because there's nothing else you can do to make your partner have a different experience of themselves. You've done all you can do. We can't change people. I'm glad for that. And so you're doing the best you can. You're inputting nothing but support and positivity and eroticizing them. But um, if that's not working, then they're up against maybe trauma, something deeper. I don't know. I can't really diagnose from afar, but I would say it's time for therapy. If they're that tortured and it's impacting your sex life and your intimacy and your relationship, then say to them, listen, honey, it really seems like you're struggling. Um, I want you to get the care and support you need. Let's talk about therapy. Because that's what therapy's for, for individuals that on their own within the relationships they're in just aren't able to live the lives they want and to be as confident as they want to be. So, you know, that's how you deal with it. You, you can't do much more for someone else, right? So my stance on how you deal with um, your partner cope with sexual anxiety is you don't overwhelm them, you move at their pace, you meet them where they're at, but yet you push on the boundaries lovingly to try to help push them forward, right? Um, but they have to be on board as well and they have to be doing their work and you're not in a position to tell them what their work is or how they should be managing that. Um, so it's therapy for them, maybe couples therapy or sex therapy together. As a sex therapist, I love couples like, like the two of you. Um, so that's what I really recommend. Um, otherwise though, continue complimenting, uh, meet him where he's at, uh, help him, you know, stay in his anxiety, help him keep pushing forward. Um, and remember that relationships and sex are supposed to be fun. And so maybe you have to find some alternative ways. I don't know if it's about certain kinds of sex or his body. Um, there's just so much to it. So I'd really get into some couples and sex therapy, get him some therapy, but you're doing everything you can do. It's tough. We can't change our partners and they enter relationships with a lot of these wounds already in place. And we are not always powerful enough to help heal them, but you're doing the best you can. All right, y'all, that's our show. Coming up tomorrow, we'll be talking about how to deal better with social media because you might not hate social media. You might just not be using it right. We're also going to talk about better ways to calm down and how to deal with the holidays in reference to our kids. You can check out past episodes at wearechannelq.com. See you tonight, y'all. As always, thanks for hanging out and have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your night.